Hey there, Freedom Fighters. My name is Andrew Warner. I'm the founder of Mixergy, where I've interviewed entrepreneurs about how they built their businesses for an audience of entrepreneurs. And joining me is somebody who's listened. We were talking before the interview started about how his relationship with this podcast goes back over 10 years and how much work he had to put in to get a company that really is successful. And I know it's successful because I signed up for Hulu just to watch him, just to watch you, Justin Bear, on Shark Tank. And as soon as you told them what your revenue was, they all went, whoa, right? Like really out loud. They were prepared to just write you off another guy with another shirt company. Who cares? You give your revenue, get their attention. They give you the big O. And then one of them says, well, I just don't like these types of shirts because you make these shirts where the buttons don't go all the way down and they're short sleeve shirts and didn't like the shirt. And I go, oh no, this is going to be a guy getting ripped into. But no, they like the money, they like the success, they like what you were able to do in such a short period of time with the company, I should say, the company is called Collars & Co. And they start negotiating. And you, Justin, negotiate so aggressively, I was sure this was going to be a conversation where I say to you, you were just using them, you didn't really want to get any money out of them, you just went in there for publicity. But no, you end up negotiating, getting them to take a deal that's closer to what you wanted, and now you've got these two sharks who are on board. And then Mark Cuban, after being bothered by you, it felt like, goes, you remind me of myself. And I go, this is incredible. I can't wait to talk to Justin about how he got here with this shirt company. All right. So that's what this interview is about. How did Justin get here? What happened after Shark Tank? And what worked? Like, how was he able to sell shirts online so successfully? And we could do it thanks to two phenomenal uh, sponsors. The first, if you need to hire a developer, go to lemon.io slash Mixergy. The second, if you know what a DAO is, or if you don't, I want you to listen to my interview series on DAOs, Decentralized Autonomous Organizations, over at joinorigami.com slash podcast. But I'll talk about those later. Justin, good to have you here. Andrew, amazing to be here. I am so excited to talk to you. Like We've been chatting before. I've been listening to you for so long and just so humbled and honored that uh, you had me on. And I'm so excited to kind of share my story. Thanks. And uh, hopefully add some value to all the entrepreneurs listening out there. Yeah. Let, let, let me ask you this. I know that after the show ends, that they negotiate further and they do de due diligence. Is the deal closed? I can't discuss specifics, okay. but okay. it's going to close. Yeah, it's going to close. Um, okay. So you're going to have Mark Cuban as an advisor investor and Peter Jones, two billionaires, right? Yeah, I think it's actually the first time ever in Shark Tank that uh, an entrepreneur has gotten a deal with two billionaires on the show. We ended up with a $300,000 equity piece and a $700,000 line. So a million dollars total. And, um, you know, maybe not the exact valuation I was looking for going in, but... Um, I'm really happy with it. I mean, Mark has been insanely responsive. It's, it's crazy. You know, I'll be chatting back and forth with Mark, you know, up at like 1.30 in the morning. And he's been great. Um, Peter's obviously overseas in England. Peter is, if people don't know who Peter Jones is, he's a very successful entrepreneur, billionaire, but living in England. He's on the Shark Tank of the UK, which is called Dragon's Den. So he's like the Mark Cuban of uh, Dragon's Den, if you will. He started with um, a cocktail bar that's, I guess, kind of like the thing that Tom Cruise had in the TV or the movie Cocktails, and then he just kept building up all kinds of businesses, and yeah, he made himself into a billionaire. 
Okay, and in return for all that, the two of them get to split 10% of your business, right? Correct. How would you describe your shirts? I'm trying to describe it to an audience that's listening and not seeing. Yeah, so the idea for the shirt is I lived in New York for 12 years, and you know the look where you're wearing a dress shirt under a sweater, kind of what I'm wearing today. It's pretty much the go-to look for every single guy that works in an office. It's funny, I was doing some VC pitches um, before the show, and it, as a part of my pitch, I would just go to the VC's team page <laughs> and 70% of the guys are actually in the outfit. So I'm like, this is perfect. I'm just going to use the VC's own like team uh, staff link and just put them in the thing because they're all wearing it. So it's basically like a sweater with a dress shirt underneath, a long sleeve dress shirt. So I used to wear it all the time. You know, I mean, you could even dress it up. You can go on dates. It's great for work, great for office. I'm like, you know, I hate wearing a long sleeve dress shirt. I just find it really uncomfortable. I don't want to pull like long sleeves down. The sleeves always get bunched up around the elbow when all people care about is the collar. And then also my my dress shirts, you know, they're not like $400 dress shirts. This is a regular, you know, Banana Republic. They're just not as soft on my skin. I'd rather wear like a t-shirt under a sweater. So the pandemic happened and I'm always coming up with ideas. And I'm like, you know what? This one's really itching me. I got to try it and see what happens. So it took me like six or eight months. I've got a couple of factories to send me samples and went back and forth with them. And basically I created this one white version, just plain white. It's got like, had this big spread collar on it, but the collar I made sure it's like really firm, like firmer than a regular dress shirt. Like it's crazy firm. Um, and I got- Because the collars flop out and you look just like a mess, even though all that happened is the, nat the natural thing that the collar is supposed to do. It just kind of went out. Went to the yeah. side. Okay, and so you said, I'm going to make it so that the collar doesn't flop out. Exactly. I made it really firm, so it really stands up. And then I got these samples. I created a Shopify website, and my seven-year-old daughter's like, Dad, you got to do a TikTok. I'm like, what? She's like, yeah, yeah, do, do a TikTok. So we went in my closet, and there she is holding the phone. And she's like, just talk. So I'm like, guys, don't you be wearing dress shirts. Da -da 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 -da. They're horrible. This, this, this. You, know, you got to check out this dress collar polo. Boom, we put it out there. It was a Sunday, and... We sat down to watch TV at night and the Shopify app started ringing and it was crazy. Um, couldn't believe it. And my wife's like, I can't believe these people are buying these shirts. I'm like, I'm telling you, I, I, I always knew I had the problem. I didn't know if other guys would, right? It's not like I did so much market research. I think you see a lot of times entrepreneurs where they have this idea and they're scared to put it out there. Um, you know, they want to do a ton of research, just keep researching and researching. Are people going to buy us? Like, you know, what the hell do I have to lose? Um, you know, How many shirts did you buy? I think it was like three or four hundred, and we sold okay. out like that. We did forty thousand in the first month on one <laughs> shirt with a terrible website with just me as the model. You know what I liked about it though? I saw your TikTok. It was an I made this video, and the I made this video is such an such a compelling type of video. The I made a fire pit in my backyard. I made, I don't know, a new closet for myself by, build, by building something in, into, my, uh, into my bedroom. It was that. It was, I had this problem and I made this. And that's a really compelling story. And what's great about TikTok is you don't have to have a lot of followers. They will find people for you. And 40,000 from that one TikTok video? Pretty much. We didn't do much advertising that first month. Um, I mean, as soon as I saw it hit, I started banging them out, you know, then I was like, oh, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> I think we've got something here. Uh -huh. So I started pumping them out um, pretty consistently. And um, yeah, it, was, it, it just worked. And then I was like, okay, well, maybe we have something here. Maybe we go to a different style collar, 
right? So I was making like the big English spreads. Maybe I'll do a yep. shorter, like a semi-spread. And then what I'm what you see me wearing today is more of like an Oxford style, like a button-down collar version. Yeah. And so now we have four different collar styles. And then I'm like, well, let's try and make some colors. And this just, it just snowballed. And the, the reason that this look works is it looks both dressy and cared for without being too dressy. And at the same time, it's comfortable and doesn't wrinkle, you know? Like, if you didn't have the sweater on top, your shirt would get wrinkled. And so the sweater is kind of a cheat for a lot of guys in Manhattan. You can, you know, basically sleep in your shirt. Get up with if your sweater is on it, on it cover right. up any wrinkles. Revenue now is how much? Um, we did over $1.5 million last month. Whoa, wait, $1.5 million last month? Yeah. And when you were on Shark Tank, which I imagine was recorded weeks ago, if not months ago, how long ago was that? At uh, the end of July. End of July. So we're talking about four or five months ago. It was 5.4 million total. And now you're at over a million a month. Yeah, it's crazy. And we haven't <laughs> even gotten to Christmas season where, and if people hear noise in the background, it's because you're doing a shoot for Black Friday for this coming Christmas. Impressive with a profit. Is it a million dollar net? No, million gross, right? A uh, million gross. Yeah, I mean, a million. What, what should we did a million and a half last month? Uh, well, net. No, sorry. I mean, uh, the profit is a million dollars before what? Oh, like, is it a million after all expenses? Yeah, a million dollars net, net. Now, that net, does, net. Your yeah. take home is a million dollars? It is, but that doesn't include. I always tell people this. I'm like, I haven't taken a dollar out of the business right. in 18 months because. If you're going to grow, this thing is so cash intensive. If you want to double what you're doing next month, you need to go out and buy all that inventory. So it doesn't include, it's not like a cash flow statement. Um, but, you know, if you want to go out and buy all that inventory, now we've got to buy a ton of inventory. So I'm just putting the money right back in. Right. So you, you make a million dollars, you take that and you buy a million dollars worth of shirts. You have them then sitting in a warehouse somewhere? We do. We have a warehouse. We were in a 3PL. Wow which yep. worked out great until we started doing enough volume and enough styles that it just kind of overran what they were doing. They just couldn't handle, like an, we'll get an inbound of, you know, 80 boxes and just sorting, figuring out what everything is. They just couldn't handle it. So this was actually one of the toughest weeks ever. It was actually two weeks before Shark Tank where we had to move the warehouse and move everything out of this place and into a new spot. Um, but yeah, so now we're in our own, our own warehouse, own facility. What happened to sales after Shark Tank? It's been only a week or so, but yeah. what's the impact? Um, so far, traffic's up about 4x, and uh, sales are up 2x. Um, that's consistently wow. for the whole week. So obviously, we'll have a record week. Um, it, it, I will probably, I was trying to look at kind of the delta on what Shark Tank bring. It's probably you know, three to 400 grand this past week. Just the, What I don't get is, why do you need the sharks? I mean, really, $300,000 investment is not that much. A million-dollar line of credit is very helpful considering how uh, cash-intense the business is. But you were on a roll. Why do you need them? It seems like it's, it's the mentorship. What's the mentorship piece that you need? Totally. You know, one, I did apply to Shark Tank like a year ago. So it does take a long time. Um, but, you know, that is... Uh, that was a big piece of it. It's being able to go faster, you know, and I, I read everything I could. I listened to every podcast I could about the Untuck It guys. 
and Chris over there has done an amazing job. And they were saying, you know, this is about speed. We want to acquire customers as fast as possible. We want to have doors open and be able to get into wherever it is, Nordstrom, quickly. Um, and so I think it was that. And the other thing was the real mentorship play. And that's something actually they cut out on the show. We can kind of talk about, you know, I'm in there for like an hour in the Shark Tank. They're only showing, you know, it's unfortunately they only really only showed most of the last six minutes, not the other 54 where all, you know, all the sharks were kind of loving it. Even Damon, who was already kind of like out, he was already kind of trying to get, figure out his way back in, I think. But, um, you know, the mentorship part, I, you know, I grew up in a house and I was so lucky to have two parents that were so pro just entrepreneurship and never discouraged me, always encouraged me to do all my little business ideas. Um, I'll tell you a really interesting story about my dad in a second, but both my parents passed away actually a while ago, like 10 years ago. Um, my dad 10 years ago, my mom six and a half years ago. And, you know, my dad was my go-to, right? I walked to work every day. I talked to my dad and he was a business guy. And, um, you know, I kind of lost that. Now it's just like me and I'm trying to like create this big brand. Yeah, I have some friends that I feel comfortable with that I think are good mentors, but, um, as far as like a Titan, who I kind of saw my dad as, I didn't really have that. And so I think going on the show was one of the things like maybe we can get and, and build a relationship, build a mentoring relationship with one of these sharks. And obviously I had my eye on Mark the whole time and yeah. I think he was perfect and I, he's been awesome and he's in touch. And I think we're really going to grow this thing. I think this is, this could be it. We'll see. We're working hard. That's for sure. <laughs> I should say my first sponsor is Lemon. If you need to hire a developer, go to the place where you can hire developers inexpensively. They are personally curated by a great team, and they will match you up perfectly with the right fit for you. Go to lemon.io slash Mixergy, and they'll even give you a lower price than other people are paying. Lemon.io slash Mixergy. Um, what did your dad do? He was a lawyer, but he never practiced. Okay. He had a legal publishing business. And he ended up selling that, um, and you know, doing doing okay. But he was just just a business guy, you know. Where kids got Sports Illustrated subscriptions, I got the Wall Street Journal. You know, we would talk about I got birthday money. Most kids are buying toys. My father said, "Nope, you're gonna buy Toys R Us stock." You know, you're gonna ah get the stock of the company instead of the stuff they make. Right. It's just like it's... this is what this is, and I'm lucky, like. I'm lucky I kind of grew up in this uh, in this world and I think about how excited they would have been to see yeah you know to see me on on Shark Tank it would have really just it's like I was trying to like it's like uh, you know Archie Manning not seeing Peyton in the Super Bowl I'm not saying like Shark Tank's the Super Bowl by any means it's not like we've made it but it was um, it was a fun thing I know I think they would have been they would have been proud and just, a, it's just, it's just one of these bummers. It's just a, I have a feeling he would have even loved watching you on TikTok, just like really standing up with your, with your shirt for your company. It's just amazing. Do you, you know what I think a lot about now as a dad, how do you get your kids interested in business without burning them out on it or being one of these people who says, this is what I did. You've got to do the exact same thing. You've had a good experience with your dad introducing you to entrepreneurship. You're a father now. What do you take away from how to do it right? Yeah, you know, I ever since I was a kid, I was coming up with board games and ideas. And my dad took me to 
the patent and trademark office in Virginia just on like a trip because I had this idea for a dog leash with kids. Um, one, I think, fun story is when I was about 13, I had this idea for a job board for auto dealers. I'm like, you know, it was Mon- I die of Mon- you know, monster.com. I'm like, why don't we do this for, for auto dealers? And my dad's like, okay, well, go and create a media kit. So I spent you know, hours creating this media kit. And then he said, okay, well, go down the list of auto dealers in the Yelp pages and start calling them and see if you can get a meeting, see if one of these guys will come in and let you talk to them. So I called down, most of them didn't answer my call, they didn't respond back. And it's this 13 year old kid. I get someone on the phone from Coons Ford in Reisterstown Road in Maryland. I called and said, dad, this guy is gonna see me. You gotta come with me. So he's like, all right, well, we'll go in there. So we went in, we sat down at the sales manager's desk and I'm telling him about the idea. I give him my like printed out Microsoft Word media kit. He's like, you know, this is a really good idea. And you know, he didn't like buy it, but he gave me some really good feedback. And I walked out of the meeting. I was like, dad, I think he really liked it. He's like, yeah, he really liked it. You know, you gotta put some more work and change some things. But that right there gave me that feeling that, you know what, I think I can do this. And I like made phone calls and I made cold calls. Well, it turns out this is years and years later. My dad called Coons Ford ahead of time. And he said, my son's going to be calling you. You take that meeting. And they took, and this, this guy took the meeting, um, you know, it's just a favor. And, um, you know, maybe, maybe it's that one thing that, you know, gives you the sparks. I always say, you know, be careful what you say to your kids, right? You know, they, they have these dreams. I mean, look, if I said I'm going to be a basketball player, I'm not going to make it at 150 pounds, but, um, you know, I think it's just be careful what you say to them. I, you know, there's parents out there that, you know, discourage and I don't know. I just, just keep that in mind. I think that's maybe good advice. Just be careful what you say to them when, on their dreams and stuff. The worst for me is when I don't give it the time that it deserves. Like my kid was into woodworking and I always said, whatever it is, I'll just get behind it and support it. And so I'm getting behind it and supporting it. But at some point, you have to actually put in the time to help them. Like your dad went with you to that meeting. He made the phone call. He didn't say, well, I've got all this stuff I need to do. And that's where I have to just keep checking in with myself and making sure that I'm living up to what you're talking about, which is being there for what their vision is, what their goals are. Um, You talked earlier about the different ideas that you've had. I'm on your LinkedIn profile right now. I see things like charityhappenings.org. I see click, uh, excuse me, check in easy. Yep. What was the first business that you started? It was actually called the Cure Card. This was in college. This is right when loyalty cards were coming up. You remember you used to walk around with the, your keys and on, on the keys there was the CVS card, the Rite Aid card, the Walgreens yeah. card, the giant food card. And I was like, you know what? It would be cool if there was one card you had multiple retailers from different non-competing retailers and they could share customer data. And we create this loyalty card and you buy it. But then we were like, you know, let's throw a cause related on a cause connection to it. And we ended up bringing uh, Evelyn Lauder's Breast Cancer Research Foundation. So that was like the cause tie. So now you bought this card at the time, I think it was like $25, 50% went to breast cancer research. Um, and then that card gave you discounts every time you use it and they scanned it at all the different participating retailers. Again, I had this idea uh, and called around, cold called, just like I did when I was a kid, called around and Evelyn Lauder's marketing person said, come on in. 
So wow. you know, we went in. I was in college. I didn't tell them I was in college. I put on a suit, and uh, they were like, "Yeah, we love it." So fast forward, we raised over two and a half million dollars for breast cancer research. Wow! And so yeah. people bought the card. Half the money went. That means you sold four to five million dollars worth of these cards. How did you yeah. sell them? They you could buy them in store. So at the time there was a, a store called Casual Corner. Um, there's I'm trying to think of the other stores. Um, it's, it's a jewelry chain. It was it was like a chain of stores, kind of similar to like limited brands. I'm just blanking on the name right now. But Casual Corner is one of them. It's like the Casual Corner Group. They own like five or six stores, and they were all in on it. Um, oh, it's Claudio Del Vecchio. He owned um, Brooks Brothers also. He owned that whole yeah. chain, and he like loved the idea, and it made a difference. Turns out my mom ended up passing away from breast cancer. So it kind of like hit home, which is so crazy, but um, it, it was wild. So that was like the first hit. And, you know, we were a for-profit company making a little bit. Um, you know, we ran the whole business for them. We did marketing and the whole bit. But uh, that was like the first kind of hit for me. And we ended up selling that, selling that business, selling that concept. Did stores take it in place of their own UPS or USP? What is it called? Those barcodes cards? Most of the stores that signed up never had it in the first place. So these were like retailers. Like at the time, Gap didn't have a loyalty card. They didn't even have it. Got it. it. This was like pretty new. We were talking back in 99. Okay. And so essentially what you're doing is almost like... It was in 2002 to 2004. This was kind of like those old book of coupons, but more sophisticated yes, and more book. modern. Exactly. Entertainment book. We had that. We had a bunch of them on our desk looking at that. Yeah. So how can we take this, modernize it, take the paper out? Um, so absolutely. It was the entertainment book we were trying to. And did retailers actually participate? How many did you get in there? Yeah. Oh, there was probably 3,000 doors across the country. Wow. Okay. So then good and bad. What's the best thing they that you did there and then what's the problem with the business um i mean it was very successful for the nonprofit for the breast cancer research foundation did a great job um it's hard to bring on retailers it's really hard to bring mm. on retailers, especially ones that are using different pos systems and you're trying to connect with them and you're trying to get kind of get this data sharing but um it was it was fun and it was a good hit, and then you know, it's off to the next, the next idea. The one that stands out for me is check-in easy. I think I read it was used. Yeah, it's on your LinkedIn profile. It was used by Google and others. This is software on a device that when you get into an office, they check you in to make sure you belong there, right? An event. An event, okay. So it was event check-in. Got um, it. So this quick business, it was one of the first check-in apps. This was right when the iPad 2 came out. Right when you used to, you know, you used to go to an event in wherever, and they'd have a line, they'd have six lines. If your last name starts from A to D, go here. Right. Do you remember seeing this? And they would have and, these printouts, stapled pieces of paper go. together. And the problem right. with me is Andrew Warner is my name, but I changed it from something else. And so they yeah. might have had the other name. And yeah, it's, it's a pain to go back and forth and search for me. Exactly. So I was like, you know, they're doing this paper. Let's make iPad check-in. You take your Excel file, you upload it to the site, and you can pull it down on multiple iPads and all talk to each other. And um, this was, 
another just kind of idea. I was running something else. I had this like master calendar of charity events going on. And just this is actually an interesting story for um, just how connections and meeting people is so important. I had this uh, calendar of nonprofit events, and I think I met this event planner at some event and you know, maybe helped him out or wherever it was, and we became kind of friends. He called me like six months later, and then I was kind of building this texting, I mean, this uh, check it out, but I wasn't like gung-ho on it. It was kind of dragging. He called me up and he said, hey, I've got this client that needs to do a, uh, that wants I think the connection iPad just paused. Wants to do a ticketless check it. Can you Sorry, handle uh, it? you were saying, let's, uh, the connection just paused. You were saying, I've got this client. Can you take it from there? Yep. So he said, I've got this client that wants totally ticketless check-in, you know, paperless check-in. Do you know anything about it? Can you help me out? He says, well, I said, actually, I'm working on building my own. He's like, oh, great. He's like, when do you think it'll be available? I'm like, well, I don't know. Who, who's your client? It was like, you know, four or five months away. He said, it's Google. I said, I'll have it ready in six weeks. He said, it's Google's holiday party at the New York uh, City Public Library. They took out the whole thing. It must have been a million dollar party. Um, I said, we'll be ready. Don't worry. Uh, so that was our first client. You know, we had a prototype. We never used it on more than one iPad. You know, I didn't have an iPad. I was like, there they wanted 10, maybe 12. So we had 10, 12 iPads going around. And uh, <laughs> I, I said, if the iPad doesn't work when you scan it, you scan it and you say, Welcome to the event. <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> like the last thing I need is like the head of Google coming over. Right. Like, like this isn't working. Um, but it actually, you know, 98% of the time worked and scanned. And then from there, you know, someone at Google, then the Guggenheim Museum was like, oh, I was at your Google party and they were using this thing. And, and But that just kind of goes, you know, just full circle. It's like stay in touch, building your network, how important that is. And it's just like that one connection with this one event planner changed the whole trajectory really of, you know, my career and, 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 and the business. And we ended up selling that business to a, um, enterprise ticketing software. If you think about Eventbrite, but for Oracle, you know, like Oracle's not going to use Eventbrite. They need to use a enterprise uh, event system. So it was a company called certain software. Okay. And, uh, they didn't have a ticketing software. So that we could just go right into theirs and then they're buying it. Was that life-changing money? No. No. Uh, no. I mean, so, it, 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 was, it was good, but I was still working. Um, so here's the thing that. that I see. like You really have come up with ideas that make sense, and you've taken them incredibly far. I think other people with the cure card idea would have gone nowhere, would have really been stymied by the difficulty of getting into retailers, would have been locked out of so much. You took it way further than anyone else. You then went in. We didn't talk about charity happenings. We didn't uh, We didn't talk about uh, member text, which is a texting promotion service. Uh, and I love how you even focus that on golf courses and country clubs. Like you did everything right. And you still weren't making these outsized wins that other people had. You were making a good living. If you would have gone to, weren't you like an investment advisor at some point, acquisition analyst? Like if you would have stuck with a job, you could have done so much better financially than you had, I imagine, until Collars & Co. 
why did you stick with it? Why didn't you say, you know what? I think this is not really paying off. All this stuff that I see on TV in Shark Tank and I see online on Andrew's podcast and others, I'm done with it. Yeah, you know, I always said to myself, I'd rather be making $80,000 a year running my own thing than, you know, I see my friends that were in finance in New York, you know, making $200,000, $300,000 a year. I just, it was something about having that freedom and that potential to make a lot more and to just do my own thing and be creative that I always loved, even from being a little kid. This is, mm. this has been like a dream of mine forever. And I, like I said, I always say to myself, I'd much rather made less money making my own thing um, than, than working in a real job. <laughs> you know, the thing that gets me is I still need external validation and the revenue is still a source of either pride or letdown. As much as it doesn't change my life, I'm not going to live any any differently. Do you have that or have you found a way to not use external numbers as as a measurement of your self-worth? It's a great question. Um, I've always been... I mean, look, being an entrepreneur, you know, you hear no a lot. You hear no, like, you're going to, this is a terrible idea. So I always had this, like, internal drive. And I don't care what anyone says. Like, of course, I'm going to listen. If they're, like, saying this is a really bad idea, you know, I'll definitely go to my brain trust and, and listen to them. But um, I don't know, I just had this always internal drive just as a kid just to, to, to do this, to make this happen. Um, and I think on some of the other businesses, that you know they had they had some good hits you know singles and doubles for sure member text is actually still really cool SaaS company that's doing really well uh, which is what i have still running but um yeah i i I just i just had this this will to make it happen i I don't know i was just kind of lost my thought there um where i was going but um i get it what you're saying is look this is who i am i'm not I'm not looking for the external validation to make me an entrepreneur. I'm just an entrepreneur and this is what I do, right? Like a musician's going to be walking or a singer's going to be walking around her house singing out loud. A guitarist is going to strum the guitar even if there's no audience there. I'm just doing the thing that I'm that I'm here to do, right? Yeah. Well, actually, I'll tell you what I was, was going to say, mm-hmm. just remember now, is you know, all these businesses I came up with were businesses that I thought had a, were very niche, right? It always kind of felt like this. There's riches in the niches. Like my texting platform, a texting platform just for golf and country clubs. It's not for everybody. It can be used for everybody. But we niched out and said, we're gonna be the main player in that business. Um, but by doing that, it has positives and negatives. The positives are, you have probably a like, better chance of being successful. The negatives are, you're capped. There's only four or 5,000 clubs in the whole country. So this business with Collars & Co. has been the first real business where there's no real cap. The niche is huge. And it's been interesting to, for me, like the first time to be in a, a business where I can really scale. I'm like, the ads are doing well, let's ramp them up. Um, so I don't know what that is. Right, I want to know what's working for you pro- like promotionally and otherwise. Uh, but first I should say, I am doing a second podcast. It's about DAOs, decentralized autonomous organizations. And I'll tell you, Justin, this is not for you. You're not going to change your business model and create it. But I still think it's worth knowing what this is. 
And I think a good way to know what it is is to look at a company like Bankless. They were a small publishing company. They had a podcast, maybe even two. They had a blog, you know, standard stuff. They had an audience that was willing to pay for their stuff. So uh, subscription revenue was bringing in about a million, maybe a million and a half a year. They said, you know, let's start this DAO. A decentralized autonomous organization is in, it's basically a community of people. And then you give them tokens, and the tokens are what they use to vote on on different ideas and also what they could be paid in. You know, like you do a good job on something within this community, you get more of the community's tokens. So they created it, gave it to their community, and they said, you know, just go with it. Our big mission is that we are going to introduce people to Web3. And so, of course, the community started to create a a blog and a podcast and people who were part of it got paid in their token that they created. But then the community said, you know, why don't we also create an educational uh, site where anyone who wants to learn about Web3 should come in and have this beautiful experience. And sure enough, there are some great artists in the community. And so they did that. And then the community took it even further and they said, well, why are we just teaching it? Why don't we do it for people? And a few people within the community decided they were going to create a consulting company. And so now this DAO has a consulting company. Now, the DAO is called Bankless DAO, and the main company is called DAO, uh, Bankless HQ. And you think, well, with all this activity and publishing and all this stuff coming out of the DAO, what happens to the publishing company that's a for-profit organization owned by a few a few dudes? Actually, I think maybe a couple of dudes. I don't know uh, what the ownership distribution is, but it's still a small company. What happens to them? They 3 to 5x their revenue. They 5x their audience. And that's because the DAO, the more content they were creating, the more they were selling, the more they were doing out in the world, the more attention they were bringing back to the company that spun out the DAO and that owns part of the DAO. Anyway, this is one of many stories that I've seen of of creators. I won't even call them entrepreneurs. I, I love the name entrepreneur, but now people are calling themselves creators Whatever you want to call them, these people are getting together and they're actually building businesses together. And it's interesting. And what I've decided to do was go and explore what's working in this space, what's a little out there, but we could bring back to ours. And if you're interested in these types of stories, just go to joinorigami.com slash podcast. Joinorigami.com slash podcast. I'm not suggesting anyone just jump in there and create a doubt because of this, but I am saying, let's look at what's there. And I think there's something really meaningful here. All right. So uh, coming back to you, Justin, what's worked for you on TikTok? You've you've been creating a lot. I've watched a bunch of your videos. What have you learned about the TikTok platform? TikTok's been amazing and actually one of the keys to Collars & Co's success. Like we were saying, it was like that first video. What I think is interesting about TikTok versus Instagram is, and, and maybe it's changing a little bit, but you know, with TikTok, the best content wins. And so... If you have a good idea, you'll see, like someone has said, oh, I have a great idea. I'm like, oh, well, do a couple of TikTok videos. Let's see if people actually catch on and see what they think. Um, TikTok is a discovery app. It's a place where people are interested in watching videos from people they don't really know. Whereas Instagram, it's like, okay, I want to see what Derek Jeter's putting up there or you know, your favorite celebrity or musician because you want to try and follow their life. You're not actually kind of as interested in discovering new things. So that's why it's so powerful for an entrepreneur in any business to really look at TikTok and have that as part of one of your channels. Um, it's been it's been great for us. Um, we've got you know probably three or four times as more as many fans on TikTok as we do on Instagram. Um, but as far as a strategy goes, honestly, I'm still testing stuff. I test stuff all the time. 
um, our latest what's video worked that, for you and then what's what hasn't what's kind of felt like it bombed you know it's crazy the videos i think are going to do the worst do the best and some of the best ones do the worst i'm like when i put a video i'm like this one's definitely going to do great it doesn't do that well our de- our our best video, our number one view video, which is pretty fun, is one of these like Billy on the street ambushes where we'd see you walking and we grab this guy and we're like, hey, can we basically like, the makeover makeover? We also yeah. did this boss makeover, which is hilarious, where we go in and, you know, it's these ex- executive assistants would say to us, you know, hey, could you come in and make over my boss? He dresses. I saw he has one of these sloppy collars. He's not a super in shape guy, but looked like he must have been at one point. And so maybe he doesn't realize that he's not the guy he used to be. And so he's letting himself go and you get him in a shirt and then you get him in a sweater that's very similar to yours. And that wasn't a put on. That was you genuinely going in and ambushing someone. I mean, you know, we got to get they've got to be okay with it. But um, but yeah, I mean, we've done this a few times and there's something about that. kind of shock value, I think, for people when they're going to see it. You definitely want to make sure those first five seconds are key, that you're catching people's attention, um, you know, so that they're not flipping over and swiping pretty quickly. But that's worked really well. The guy, and and your various versions of it, there's one where, there's one where you got four million plays where some dude who I think looks good, his shirt looks fine and everything, you stop him and you say, try this. And then when I look at his shirt, he does have that bunchy thing that a lot of guys have where the white shirt has all these ripples underneath their sweater. And so you change him out of that and he's a good looking guy. So of course yeah, he's going to look good in your shirt. It works. Better. You know, it goes into Starbucks bathroom, comes out. <laughs> you know, it's, yeah. It's got a fun play factor to but it. But these are all just you on the street doing that thing. Kind of like the guy who's on TikTok who goes, how much do you pay for rent in New York City? Can I go to your house? Exactly. See your apartment. Sorry, it's a play on that. We did actually play on the car. Um, Nick Faldo, who's, well, Sir Nick Faldo, he's a six, you know, six-time major champion golfer. He was like the voice of CBS up until this past year. He, he liked the shirts. Anyway, long story short, he came to our area and I got him in a golf cart. I'm like, this would be funny. Nick, you drive the golf cart and I'll come up to him and be like, hey, that's a really cool car. You know, what do you do for a living? Just like uh, Daniel Mack does. To the, yeah, the, where he just sees people like, in a car and he says, beautiful car, what do you do for a living? Yeah. And they tell so him where they tell him to plug off. In the, uh, in the golf cart and um, asked him, like, what do you do for a living? So it was funny. We got him in a shirt. But yeah, that kind of stuff usually plays well. Um, but with TikTok, it's just like keep putting stuff out there. It doesn't matter. If it fails, you do another one. Um, and you, and How you often do you do this? There. Yeah, you know the ones that, di- that didn't do as well? are the ones where it's like guy makeovers and I sometimes go down rabbit holes and watch this stuff where some dude who I don't look anything like and I don't dress anything like will still teach me how to wear clothes like him and I watch it I get lost in those things for some reason so you do those and you put in real effort I'm looking at one right now that like you've clearly done the cut really beautifully so that when he just tugs at his jacket the whole jacket comes off and I see him in a different jacket same shirt and the whole thing is beautiful it got only 6,000 views as opposed to some of the others. So how often are you putting these out there? Uh, a few times a week. A okay, and it's not you anymore. It's now a team of people who are doing this? It's just me. It's just you? <laughs> it's just me. It's just me. I'm editing it. And I think that is one of the big skills. If some entrepreneur came to me right now, I would say everything is so much about content. It's so much marketing. It's so much sales. If you cannot shoot your own videos 
learn how to edit your videos. And by the way, I don't know how to do anything. I just watch other TikToks to try and figure out how do I do this? I'd watch like how-to YouTube videos and like how to shoot stuff, how to use CapCut. But you have such Cap an- CapCut, is that what you use? That's what I use to edit the videos. Yeah. Um, which is like a great editor. And I actually just just started using it in the last couple of years. On your phone. Weeks. On my phone. Everything's just shot on my phone. And But I think it, for speed, everything's about speed, content. If you want to grow fast, learn how to shoot video. Learn how to edit yourself. Because if I had to send this to somebody and wait for them to do it, and then they get back to me with changes. and it, Yeah. There's a huge advantage to, to um, doing this. Dude, I'm on your TikTok page. The the one where you teach people how to tie shoelaces. That one has 170 <laughs> plus thousand. Um, it also helps. To, they, you're a very good looking guy. Even I can't. Um, I'm gonna admit it because Please, it's, it's stop, me. Stop, stop. No, but here's the deal. Like you take your shirt off, and me as a guy, for some reason, I'm checking to see like what's his stomach look like. Does he have abs? And you look no, good. You're, you're clearly in shape. No, just. Um, do you then pump these up with advertising? Like if you see one take off, do you throw money at it? Has advertising worked? Uh, advertising's worked, yeah. We see one that On works. TikTok promoting just the ones that take off. You put stuff out, the Gary Vaynerchuk thing where he says, put stuff out and when something takes off, put more money to add fuel. 100%. That's it. And every ad I think we have has been a TikTok or an Instagram reel at one point. Um, now... Some of our worst performing TikTok ads have still become good ads. Um, so it's, I, I don't like, it's not a one to one relationship that if it's a really good TikTok, that means we're going to push it out of snap. We sure will try, but that's not always the case. Um, you know, because look, an ad is an ad, it's not as entertaining as a regular. But how do you link over to your site from it? I'm, I know that on YouTube Shorts, you can say link in the top comment or something, but. Yeah. I don't you know how you could do it here. Organic. They have to go back to your profile and they have to click in. Okay. Yeah, there's no like link right from an organic TikTok out because they want you staying on data. They don't want people leaving TikTok. So and the you way you know if an ad works is you have discount codes and you can kind of connect back the discount code to the video that you shot and say, this one didn't get a lot of views, got a lot of orders worth pumping up. Oh, well, if you're doing an ad on TikTok, yes, there is a direct shop now button that will take you out right organic there's no got it there's no out um we are using some software that actually does track attribution now because especially with ios 14 you know people have lost a lot of the attribution so we do use a third party that kind of helps us match where that sale eventually originated and i think what's good for tiktok organic is top of funnel you know i wouldn't get too discouraged that you did a video and it's got 500,000 views and you only made a few sales from it. I think you have to look at this, and Gary Vee talks about this all the time, it's kind of, you know, long game. They're seeing your ad. Think about it like a billboard, right? You know, you see right. a billboard for something. You're not just going home and buying it. It's just it's getting into your brain. Now they're going to see your ad again on Facebook. Right. They're going to see your ad again on YouTube. And then they're going to buy. So think of it as top of funnel, inexpensive um, impressions. It's the software that you use for attribution. Is that Triple Whale? It is. It is. Yeah, I interviewed them. I didn't realize how big they were. And then, of course, after Apple shut down a lot of uh, tracking, they became even bigger. What else is working? So is it TikTok, Instagram, your site? Is YouTube Shorts working? Is uh, SEO working? Anything else? Um, We don't get too much success out of YouTube. 
Um, I'll still post some things organically to YouTube shorts. Instagram and Facebook for us has been the best. Now our audience is older, right? So they're gonna live on Facebook and Instagram more than they will on TikTok. TikTok has a younger audience. Um, our TikTok ads are the worst performer of all three or all four. Um, we still spend decent money there because we do look at it as kind of like top of funnel. Uh, we started, we do some newsletter advertising. We started this past month with Tiki Barber and on radio, just traditional terrestrial radio, uh, doing ads there. And honestly, that's that's just like hearing about Chris and Untucket and what they did. And Chris was like, hey, we just started running radio ads and putting things in airline magazines. I'm like, well, maybe we should be looking at that too. Uh, so yeah, Tiki Barber has been awesome. And we, we did a photo shoot with him recently. Um, he's just like perfect guy for us. He's he's awesome. Um, so he's doing radio ads in New York area. What advice have you gotten from Mark Cuban so far or from uh, from Peter Jones? Um, so various things. I think the one thing, and this is kind of a, a great way we're talking about with social is he wants me to really lean into organic social. And actually, Mark was thinking about, you know, before I started doing these uh, makeover videos like Boss Makeover, or kind of building on the street ones, ambushes, he's the one that was like, you know, I think you should like think about this. I'm like, gosh, shit, Mark's talking, telling me to do this. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta do it. Like the next week, boom, I was gonna do one. And so he was like the really person that was like, hey, I think you really should dive into this, lean into the organic, create a show, you know, create this like Daniel Mack type of show with the car we were talking about. Do it for do it for our industry because no one's really doing it. It's crazy. If you look at And the thing that's for your industry is the on the street, I'm gonna take a person and I'm gonna do a makeover of that person. Essentially, yeah. Some type of thing. Or we'll do a dress color polo challenge where it's like you're wearing a sloppy dress shirt, try this dress color polo on. It's gonna be a hundred times more comfortable. You're gonna love the look. And if you don't love it, you can keep yours or we take yours and we donate it, right? That's kind of like the bit. And then what do you do then if now J. Crew and I don't know if Brooks Brothers is even around anymore, but any of these other guys who are, are good copycats, Zara's a good copycat, even though their stuff doesn't hold up. What do you do if they jump into this and take away what's special about you? you know, about College and Co. That's a great question. And they asked it on Shark Tank. Unfortunately, they didn't air. Like I was saying before, they don't air. Nine. All they aired was someone else is going to copy it without your response to it. I don't even know if they said that, but my response to it was, I said, that's the same thing they said to Chip Wilson when he came up with um, Lululemon pants. And that's the same thing they said to Sarah Blakely when she came up with Spanx. And that's the same thing they said to Under Armour, Kevin Plank, when he came up with the shirt that Nike was already making. So I think they can. I think these really big brands, they're, this is like such a small, like little potato for them. Um, like I think J. Crew is now finally making untucked shirts, but they're just not like known for that. You know, it's taken them years to figure it out. They've got all these tech specs, and um, so I think if they do eventually do it, I think it'd actually be probably good. Um, you know, we're the we're the first mover. We want to kind of cement ourselves as the company that actually made this and kind of created this new concept of shirt. Um, but yeah, that's that's usually my response. I mean. These businesses, just like ours, we're so focused on on one thing, and I think we'd probably like throw them off course if they actually had to kind of. What about Peter Jones? Has he done anything? Has he given you any good advice yet? 
Yep. So we're working with one of Peter's companies to go global, just like he comes across. He's, he's, <laughs> he, he said he's Mr. Global. Like you have Kevin is Mr. Wonderful. Peter Jones says he's Mr. Global. And he has, he owns this company that will help you go um, global and basically create sites, let's say in Korea or Japan, um, in all these different countries. And, you know, they not only just translate them, but what's interesting is they know the holidays, which we don't know anything about. Uh. Like their Black Friday, it could be June 6th. We have no idea. And so, you know, they have called all these local experts that help you run a site. So we're going to hopefully. Got it. So he's going to help you create sites all over the world yeah and not just translate the language and the culture but also be aware of things like a holiday that's coming up or something that is socially being talked about that you can jump in that makes sense exactly all right if i can did it you nailed it i feel like the thing that i that i love about this is it just feels so natural to you you feel so natural in it so i don't know like I did, I did wince when I was watching that episode where I felt like, oh, this guy is coming across so arrogant. He's blowing them off. It's not going to happen. And then when it did, I felt like, all right, maybe I'm wrong. What I'm seeing here is a person who has a sense of where he is and enough experience to know that he's got something and the guts to say, I will lose you, Mark Cuban, as much as I want you in here. I will lose you, Sharks and Peter Jones, but I want you. And, and you got him. Yeah, you know, I, I, I could see that on the show. And, you know, looking back, there's some parts I'm like, oh, I wish I didn't say that. The bummer is that they didn't show, you know, most of what I did say and how, like, in those other, you know, 50 minutes in there that the Sharks just kind of, they, they love the idea. They love the brand. They love the idea of the shirt. Um, and, you know, and, and we had a good report, too. You know, you get down to the, to the nitty-gritty when you feel like you have something that's worth, you know, $7 million and they're offering you three has a $3 million valuation and you're trying to fight back. And look, they're trying to, you know, they tell you, there's always this like overarching scare factory where they're like, you know, just because we shoot it doesn't mean we air you. Right. And we're like, oh my God. They're like, you know, we want, we want to make, you know, this is, this is television. <laughs> um, and, and you were using it so much. I assume that I did a bad search before we talked. We talked to what, a, a couple of weeks ago? I assumed that I wasn't searching for it right because it was all over. The Shark Tank fans are super fans. There are databases dedicated to people on Shark Tank where you were already there. I couldn't find a clip. I said, what did I do wrong? You were promoting it. They were promoting it. Yeah, I yeah. get it. If it, wasn't, if it wasn't on even before all that attention, it would have been such a loss of variety. Yeah, I mean, look, I definitely learned a lot. I'm humbled by the experience. Um, I was really fighting for a good valuation. I wanted them to really see the value of what we were doing. And um, it ended up being great. We got Mark and Peter Jones, who have just been awesome. So we couldn't be happier. Um, yeah, I mean, there's I always... I think it's going to be a winner for them, don't I you? I didn't say. I would, there's always things I wish they, they did say and they did show, which they didn't. But... Um, what do you wish that they included? What's... What's they didn't painful? have any of the story. They didn't have any of the backstory, mm. how it came about. They had a video. Nick Faldo did a video for him. He's like, hey, sharks, you got to check out Justin's thing. Um, they didn't, like, humanize me as much as I would like, obviously. I, they, had their, uh, they had their idea of what they wanted it to be. But I think it came across as, you know, it's not the first time you have a brash entrepreneur on CNBC uh, talking about their company. But, um, 
you know, it came across that, look, I, I learned a lot and um, I'm grateful to the show and I'm, you know, I'm humbled by it. And sure, there's definitely things that, you know, I would change. And I was like, oh, why didn't I say that? But you're in there and you're just like freaking out. And I said to my friends, I'm like, it's a good thing I memorized that first part because I don't know what was coming out of my mouth. Have you ever had that experience where you're just like, yeah, words are coming out. Your brain is thinking about something else. Um, and you know, they jumped on me right away. Like Damon John's jumping on me. They're trying to get you on tilt pretty quickly. Oh, and, I didn't know. You know, I tried to try and stay calm, but, uh, I, I think at the end of the day it was great. And I'm so happy that we got Mark and Peter. So it was, it was, I a think fun it ended period. up beautifully for you. It ended up beautifully. You came across as a guy who did well, who, had a lot of skepticism confronting you and you ended up with Mark Cuban saying at the end, you remind me of myself. I don't yeah, know what else amazing. you could have done. Yeah. I, that was an awesome quote. We actually had a launch party and um, I couldn't see, I didn't get to hear it until I got home because you know, we're all kind of celebrating, celebrating the show, but it, it was amazing. I mean, Mark for him to say that was great. And I'm just, I'm just grateful and humbled by the experience. It's, it's a learning experience. And um, we'll just. All right. Well, the company is called Collars and Co. Do you pronounce it Collars and Co. or Collars and Company? I say Collars and Co. for short. Mm -hmm. And I, I'd say you can go to their website, but find them on social. TikTok, number one. They are so freaking. I, I shouldn't say they anymore. Now I know it's just you, the dude with the camera, the dude with the phone. It's so good. All right. Thanks for being on here. And I thank my two sponsors. The first, if you need a developer, you know already, go to lemon.io slash Mixergy. I'm not even selling them these ads. I just want them to keep doing well because I know they're a Ukrainian company under tough circumstances doing well, and I want to support them. And the second, if you are curious about what these DAOs are, go to joinorigami.com slash podcast. Thanks for being on here, Justin. Andrew, amazing. I thank you so much for having me. Congrats to you and everything you've done. This has been sweet. Hell yeah. Thanks. Bye, everyone.